thanks for joining us for another episode of Inside Vet CX. And today I've been lucky enough to twist her arm to find some time where she's normally coaching practices with veterinary growth partners that Tracy Caymans has agreed to spend a little bit of time with us today. So hi there, Tracy. Hi, Michael. It's really handy of you to, to have a chat to us around. I guess I know a little bit about your background. But what I understand is that you're one of veterinary growth partners or VGPs, senior coaches. And I know that heard amazing things around some of the changes you've been able to help with practices in the past. But for the benefit of those listening, it would be really awesome if you could just give us a bit of a spiel around yourself, how long you've been in the industry, et cetera, et cetera. Well, <laughs> I have been in the industry a very long time. I think it's going on 30 years almost now, which then wow. very much dates me. But um, as you can hear, I am originally a Yank, um, but <laughs> left, goodness, that's probably almost 20 years ago now. And very luckily came to Australia, especially in these times. I have my bachelor's degree in animal science in industry or in vet clinics pretty much from the time I could get a job. Um, Kennel hand started out the whole works, did the whole senior nursing thing, was a practice manager, thought I'd give it a go and, and buy into a practice for a little while, decided that wasn't for me at the right time and decided to go into industry and worked as a sales rep for six years, which gave me a heap of experience around seeing what happens in other clinics and they were also incredible in training which was really really helpful then to come back out into and work in vet practices again and help manage practices and then eventually move into coaching which is where my passion actually really lives it just took me a long time to figure that out well that's awesome so there's not really much you haven't done tracy to be completely fair and reasonable i haven't been a vet and it is amazing to think about because the stresses that they face which i can understand from talking to them it is definitely hats off to anyone that has taken that leap to become a vet because it's a huge, huge and fantastic career. But no, that one was <laughs> beyond me, unfortunately. I guess all of that sort of experience that you mentioned before. So now, I guess from what my understanding is, and maybe you could sort of tell us a little bit about Veterinary Growth Partners, but my understanding is that people can have the opportunity to have you help with their own practice, even though maybe you're not as part of their practice, but you can help with their planning and management and other bits and pieces. Is that right? I think I have the best job in the world. I'm, I'm so incredibly lucky to be part of VG. Um, as it has the two components, it has the buying group side of things, which, you know, everyone wants better cost of goods and, and that increased buying power. And so we're able to provide that. And then the upside for vet clinics that, that join our group is one, it's free, which is quite unique. And then two, it is a matter of we do as much or as little with vet practices as they want. We, we do have proven processes from years and years of experience and heaps of templates. When I joined VGP and David showed me the wealth of documentation, I'm like, this is every document I ever wanted as a practice manager at my fingertips now. Rather than the checky bit is you can get most of all that information online, but what we do is we give you what you need when you need it. All you have to do is ask. And then that way you don't have a thousand documents to search through and go, what should I be doing? We can help you take things in, in bite-sized chunks and let's tackle this little issue now and, and get that one solved and just makes things quicker easier and you also have someone to bounce things off of it's quite isolating working in in a vet clinic and it's, it's often hard to get the right advice um, and so yeah we don't say we know everything but we can certainly 
give you our experience. Um, David has an MBA. Our other practice coach has been a practice manager for I think about 15 years now. So, you know, if, if I don't know an answer, I can ask David or I can ask Jess and, and yeah, it's, it's a fantastic little team we have. It sounds really amazing. And, um, you know, I know firsthand from myself, you know, different clients of VetCX have contacted us and we've been able to sort of connect them to the likes of yourself, Tracy and Jess, your other practice coach. And of course, um, David, who heads up Veterinary Growth Partners and the feedback or the response to, to our client around the amount of information and contacts that I guess veterinary growth partners can connect people with through, I guess, your experience of everything that you've covered before about your background and your history. There's probably not too many scenarios that you haven't seen or encountered before. But what I find really interesting is you mentioned that group veterinary growth partners, you said it doesn't cost you anything at all to join. Is it, can you maybe just elaborate on how that might work? Yeah. And so we have a, a, a slightly different approach in that when we negotiate with our suppliers, we negotiate the best we can for our, our clients and our, our members. And so they get a very transparent, a, a known quantity um, in the rebates that comes off that's on our website in the membership hub. But along with that, then what David's done is he's negotiated that the suppliers also pay us a little bit for each of the members that we have that come on board. And so it's a completely separate transaction. So you will always get 100% of your rebates. We obviously get a little bit of money from them for basically a thank you for, for being part of that group and for recommending that supplier. And so obviously with economies of scale, the more members we have, the, the better off everyone does. And then also we can then negotiate harder to get more rebates for our members. And so we really like to think of it as a win-win in that everyone, if we can help practices grow, they buy more products from the suppliers, the suppliers sell more of the goods and the clinics make more profit. Definitely. That's it. it sounds like a really simple solution. And I know that I don't know how many members you have at the moment, but I know that it's been steadily growing and the feedback that we've sort of been getting from our clients in particular who have been members has, has been fantastic. So I think uh, you deserve to give yourself a bit of a pat on the back, Tracy and co at Veterinary Growth Partners. So really what I guess I wanted to do today was try and delve in and tap into some of your experience around being part of teams, but leading teams and coaching teams when it comes to, I guess, delivering good customer experience for their clients over the phone because we know that it's not always pleasant we get fantastic experiences on the phone and we find that through our mystery shopping program which we operate throughout Australia so we, we make several hundred phone calls every month to practices in Australia and we know that few and far between do we get a good call with a vet practice or sadly very rarely are we also offered an appointment but I wonder do you think just thinking back of that experience that you've had and all those sort of different roles you've played in practice do you think there's any one reason or would there be a main reason as to why it's so inconsistent and I won't use the word poor but I'll say it's it's far from where it probably could be or should be. It does all come down to training and, and expectations. Most of our practices and, and the practices that I've worked with when when you come on board your, your induction your training it's all around technical. It, you're told what to say and you're told what we do but we're not really given a lot of direction in how and why and that how and why is really what differentiates and so you know we get told to say what, what's in a c5 what's in f4 and how how we do our desexings and so we repeat that back and so the calls that i listen to are very functional and there's technically they're not wrong they're just not fun or engaging and they're certainly not customer focused and obviously over the last five ten years when you know the pet has moved into the household and the pets moved into the family changing that wording going from feature to benefit and to really into 
interacting and engaging is what sets us apart from being a practice that delivers on a, a product as to one that delivers a customer experience. And so I think it really just does come down to having clear understanding of what we want our clients to get from each interaction. Face-to-face is so much easier. We see the pet, we see the client, we love people and we love pets. And so we can make that bond. But over the phone, we have so many distractions. And coming from myself, I hated the phone. Oh, I used to I just try and not just avoid it. I was a surgical nurse. But nowadays, I, I just love I guess the the sense of satisfaction you get from really connecting and, and making that person understand and feel good about what they're doing. And so, yeah, it's, it's a thrill once you get it right. Yeah, it really is. And then listening to some of the calls that our team make on month to month, you know, when you do get a breakthrough and you hear one of those really good calls, you just think, yes, that's so fantastic. And that experience is really different for the owner who's, you know, a nine times out of 10 sitting at home in a relaxed environment, probably with the dog or the cat sitting on there on their lap if it's you know a creature that's of of, you know size to be able to do that but you know probably a cup (laughs) of tea or not you know but uh you know cup of tea in hand and very relaxed but on the other end of the phone i guess in the practice environment things are quite different answering the phone where there may be two people in front of you there might be a vet asking you to get something or someone else and then another two lines are ringing so they don't match each other i guess is what i'm trying to say in terms of the pet owner who's in that calm state versus i guess the practice not always in these chaos states, but a lot of the time they are. Somehow we've got to find a way to build that bridge that actually there, there feels like a connection. Oh, certainly. And, and, and it is. It is the distractions that happen and the priorities that we place. And rightly so, you know, if an animal's in front of you or your person's in front of you, it draws your attention to them. And it's very hard to stay focused and customer centered when they're on the phone and you have all of these other things in the back of your mind that you're supposed to be doing. Is I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges and you know the number of times that I've been in clinic or I've been the one answering the phone and I have an animal in my hands because I'm trying to you know either move them somewhere but the phone was ringing and so you pick it up and then you're caught with this dilemma and so you answer the questions as quick as you can but then you know you do a disservice to both really but it is that pet that you're looking after that you're trying to to make as healthy as possible and so unfortunately it's the client on the phone that um, doesn't understand so well what's happening in the background that just thinks you don't care which couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, it's absolutely right. And I'm glad that you just said that because I was about to say that, it, you know, we all know that every vet practice want to bend over backwards for both their patients and their clients. But sometimes or majority of the times that doesn't shine through, but not through lack of will or want. And it's interesting because in our last episode of our podcast, we spoke to one of our mystery shoppers who have been around for quite some time. And I just reflecting on one of the comments that they made that their feeling as a prospective client into a practice is that they're trying to just get rid of them, that they're a distraction. Um, when they call the practice. So I think that's quite clear that that sort of that flows through to that feeling, whereas that, you know, there are conflicting priorities going on at the same time, but it doesn't connect that that warmth feeling. So the other thing that you mentioned that I picked up on earlier was that, you know, that the calls are technically perfect and I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's how they're trained and they give the information. But then you touched on something else around one of the ways I'd be interested in your view would be how have you tried to go to fix this, you know, knowing that this is a problem 
problem. You did mention training. Is training the only solution? And if you have done some training, I guess, what was it? And maybe if you could just think about, you know, when you were in practice as a practice manager and then from a practice coach, how have you tried to change this perception on the phone based on what we already know? It is really important because we want to understand how we want our clients to feel. And it's a unique culture that every clinic has. And so some clinics do go more technical. Some clinics do have a much more bubbly sort of presence in that consistency of approach and making sure that what they hear on the phone is the same as what they feel in the clinic and those sorts of things. And so matching all of that up. And so that's the, the definitely the start for it. But the other part of that is we can't fix or help if we don't have anything to measure by. And so I've, you know, I've done a myriad of different ways of listening to phone calls and to trying to help whether, you know, be standing next to the person when they're answering the call and then discussing it afterward to having them recorded to having them just someone gives you a written report of what they've heard, all sorts of different things. And to be honest, that recording for them to understand and hear themselves is invaluable. And it's not to, you know, beat them over the head with a stick and say, I can't believe you sounded like that. It's to that positive encouragement. Did you hear what you said there? That was perfect. Do that as much as you can and giving that positive feedback and knowing what the expectations are, knowing what makes a good phone call, and then really giving that positive reinforcement when it happens is, is what I've found. And consistently reminding people, we all forget, we all have bad phone calls, we all have bad days, but if we can just chip away at what makes them happy in their phone calls and then what the best responses are is, is what we've found. It's a slow process. You know, it probably takes a better part of six months for a whole clinic to turn around and to then all be really, really engaged and excited about answering the phone. You're right. And even just you yourself in this podcast process, just take this for an example, you know, editing the podcast series that we've just only recently started, but it's really easy to understand. Do I really sound like that? Do I really say that phrase so often? Uh, whatever the case might be, and I just change that onto the practice world when you're answering a call. And obviously we have the privilege to listen to so many calls that we make across Australia in our mystery shopping program, but being able to listen to them back. And then that's absolutely 100% agree with what you're saying is the feedback that uh, we get from practices who do make a significant shift in their phone calls and their client experience on the phone. It's all about introducing that in their one-on-one with their team members. So A, trying to first of all, overcome the hurdle of, you know, hearing yourself on a recording. And that just, I think we all have that, oh, I hate myself on a recording. Once we get over that hurdle though, then we can actually tap into what's being said. And so what I try and do with our clients is encourage them to, to get over that hurdle with their team as quickly as possible, listening to yourself on a recording, but then introduce the process in a one-on-one. For example, if that team member was mystery shopped in that month, in their next one-on-one, either A, give it to them beforehand, a copy of the recording so they can digest it, listen to it themselves, or B, listen to it together. But either way, at some point, listen to it together and talk through what went well, what didn't go so well, and what potentially we could focus on next time. Is that sort of what you do when you're coaching practices who are, say, on a mystery shopping program, that be it with VetCX or someone else? Yes, I, I do. And, and I, I am very keen to to let that person hear themselves first. And even the first couple, a lot of clinics start mystery shopping even before they do any training, which makes it really challenging. And then they, they try and assess and they try and coach around the phone call without having set those expectations first. And so, which is not fantastic, but what, what point I'm getting at is if you haven't set the expectations, let them listen to their calls, let them self-assess, let them try and fix and, and ask them what they think. Don't go in there with, you did this, you did that. Say, how do you think it went? What did you think was the best part of that call? The other thing that I try and do with the teams 
so they don't get so hung up on themselves is listen to the listen to the client. How do they sound after you said that? What's their responses? What's their tone line? And actually get them really understanding and listening to the client because the cues the client give are what can help you have a better conversation. And so rather than listening to yourself the first couple of times, how about listen to them and listen to their reactions? Awesome. Great point. All right. So now I guess if there's a practice owner, a practice manager or somebody out there who's listening to this podcast now who thinks, oh, I remember that. I've walked through reception, you know, coming, leaving work, going out to lunch or whatever the case might be. And I've just cringed at something that someone was saying. And I know that as an owner and manager that the experience on the phone for customers is not great. What's the first thing that you would say, I mean, as a practice coach, that they could just simply do one thing just to start that journey on a better experience on the phone? I do think it, it comes down to talking to your team on soft skills and on understanding and building rapport, the importance of rapport and, you know, talking to them about how fantastic they are when they come into the clinic. And so, and just asking them questions, how do you think we can get that same feeling across the phone? What are you most proud of about where we work? How can we tell the clients over the phone? How can we show them how much you care? Because we know they care but how can we show it? And, and just brainstorm it. Is there something we can say? Often talk to clinics about why should they come in for a consult? Is it because Dr. Smith is going to spend an extra five minutes? Are they going to give you peace of mind? What are they going to do? How are they going to feel when they leave? And if we can talk that through and feel good about it, it's not easy to repeat back on the phone, but if you have that inner happiness and that knowledge that you are going to provide the best for them, then it sort of helps. And then as silly as it sounds, smile before you answer the phone. <laughs> It's such a big thing, isn't it? Smile before you answer the phone because it really shines through. Show that you're focused on the person that's on the other end of the phone is such a massive thing. So look, thanks for those great tips. And no doubt you're obviously able to connect with Tracy and the team at VGP if you're looking for some help with your phones. But before we let you get back to changing and inspiring other practices, Tracy, just wanted to, if I could, turn your mind to a new concept which has recently sort of emerged into the market and that is that sort of, I guess, remotely having your inbound calls to the practice answered by a remote team, but an extension of a veterinary practice. Just wondered what your thoughts were on that concept when you heard about it. I will be very honest to say that I thought it was a really bad idea. I thought, how can they do that? They're not going to know if the patient's in grooming or if it's in surgery. They're going to, the person that's answering the phone won't know the, the clinic. They won't be able to answer the questions and the clients are going to be very dissatisfied. That was, that was my original thoughts on that. Sure. And so that's because of, a, I guess, a disconnect between a physical disconnection, as in not being there, or more so uh, you don't know the quirks of what's going on in the practice? A, a little bit of both. Um, it was interesting, gosh, it would be 10 years ago now, Peter Weinstein, the guru from the US, came over to an AVBA conference that we had and suggested that reception be taken away from reception and either out of the room. And he suggested it 10 years ago. And we all went, oh, never. And But they were doing it in the US then, and they, they do still do it now and, and to, with great success. But So I remember that CV planted but then we went oh it'll never work here and and I do think probably more around the fact that we in each of our clinics think we're very unique and no one can replicate what we do. So that was some time ago now and I, my understanding is that you've had some feedback from those practices who may have started or started to double with the concept either considering or have even tried maybe an hour or two hours a day in the peak times to actually give it a go. So what's your thoughts now once you've sort of I guess you had your initial thought and you've had you're aware of a practice or two who've you know started to plant the seed to maybe move more to this sort of model. How are you thinking about it these days? It's really interesting. I, I, I 
have done a 180 degree shift in the concept and it, and it does come from, I've rung the clinics that, that have this set up and did a little mystery shop on my own um, just to see what the what the answers were like and what the, the quality of the calls was um, compared to the clinic that I knew before. And, and it, it, it is seamless in terms of the ability to have someone who is customer focused without all these distractions is, is fantastic. And, and the quality that they care really shines through. And, you know, as a person, I, I wouldn't know if they were a new staff member or, or, or what it was. And, and the feedback from the team has been phenomenal. It's just such, you know, just to even have a couple hours break during those busy times to not have to juggle everything, their, their, their happiness and, and stress levels are, are just so, so changed by the opportunity to, to have this service in a clinic. It, it's, been, it's been really interesting because I didn't expect it and I was quite a naysayer when it started. That's, it's interesting. So two great points there, well, maybe three even. So it's made a difference to the team. You mentioned that. And do you think that that's just because they can focus on what's going on within the practice without the distractions of multiple phones ringing and people standing in front of them? I, I think that that's a big part of it. And those busy times is when you find that the phone calls are lesser quality phone calls because of the time poorness that they have. And so, and they know, and you know, we know ourselves when we're not answering the phone to our best of our ability, but that compromise that we, we have to make in our brain. And so if we know someone's able to do it at a higher quality and that the clients are going to get the care and the attention they need, then you can feel better about the services that you're offering and not feel guilty either way of either, you know, not looking after the pet well or not looking after the client well. It just gives you that reassurance that as a team and, and having that, that third party come in, then your quality of care is better. Why are these people, do you think, able to deliver that service? Is it, you know, touching back on what we talked about before, the multiple priorities? So these people who are not within the practice answering the calls, is it just because they can purely focus on the person on the telephone with them and have that genuine conversation? I think it certainly helps because you you, you can and, you know, back to getting to know what the clinic recommends and things like that. But it's also to the fact that, like I said, as a nurse, I wasn't trained and I didn't really enjoy the phones. Certainly there are nurses that are, that do, but it is that combination that I think makes it challenging and, and it, it does take the stress away from, from the nurses that are trying to do all those things. And, and, you know, the team that is in front of the phones, they have been trained. They have the time. They get feedback. They're professionals, you know, and it's very hard to get someone like that in your team and it takes a long time to train them. So, you know, if you can skip all of those steps by having someone who wants to be answering the phone, who does does it well and who can answer the questions that the client needs, it just seems to be a, a great option. And so let me ask you, when was the last time you were in a practice and you saw uh, the team members going off to their 15-minute break and their 45-minute lunch break or even yourself having your break whilst working in a practice? Oh, it's, you know, that's, <laughs> it's funny. The last practice I worked at, I wasn't technically meant to answer the phones, but if it rang more than five times and no one else did, I, I did answer the phone. I usually put them on hold straight away. But it's the fact that, yeah, you know, or the receptionist would go from the lunchroom and they'd run out the front to to answer the phone because it just needed to be done. And, you know, it's challenging, but that's what we do. But to, to be able to have that option not to and to actually get a proper 15-minute break would just be bliss for, for many, many practices. And so that ties into some of that what, what you mentioned earlier around the, some of the culture. I mean, I know that you're such a culture champion, Tracy, and something I know that you're quite passionate about is the culture within the workplace and all of those different dynamics that make up a culture. Whilst one thing can't fix a culture, and I know I've heard you say that before, 
for, but taking away a distraction and giving people the ability to have an uninterrupted lunch break. You know, we've spoken, um, you know, previously about a practice who just decided to use the services of making the calls be answered somewhere else, just purely so their teams could have their lunch break uninterrupted by the phones. I mean, that's just one step, do you think, into making a, a better culture for your team, which we know is such a hard place of veterinary practice to maintain a, a good culture where people don't burn out and they don't get tired. It really does and, and that's it is just one aspect but every little bit helps and it is it just shows that the practice cares, that the practice values mental wellness. You know, in these in these really crazy times, there's so much stress going out in and outside of work that, you know, just to have one little respite from, you know, something that is really, really challenging is just a, a nice perk if nothing else and and I and, and it just shows how much you value your team and I think that's really important and there's it's it's sometimes hard to you know say thank you enough or to do those little things that show you do value because you're busy as well but doing something like this just speaks volumes and I know that um, I'm already well over time but it's been real pleasure having a chat to you today and actually being able to tap into some of your insights and experience that you've had and probably someone I haven't met who hasn't got as much experience and I guess in so many different areas with in the veterinary profession so it's been really wonderful but I just wanted to take one thing away that if you know there's a practice owner or a practice manager who are considering maybe taking this step because let's face it it's not an easy step to say to to give that ability to another business or another team to take your clients calls but if someone's planted the seed with them and they're going hmm what should I do? What would you say to someone who's considering taking this step? I really think that just no downside to trying. You get to listen to the calls as well. You get to get the reports and you get to find out is, you know, to do it for a trial period is not going to be any worse than a nurse who's super busy or super stressed answering the phone. And so I only, you know, can see the, the benefits of it. And then, you know, if it doesn't suit them and if it doesn't work out, then, you know, there's no harm done. I haven't heard of any clinic losing clients because of someone answering the phone and not knowing the answer because it's really that would be the the only scenario is that person from the third party says I'm not sure I'll have to get back to you and ring them back or whatever that is but I you know I just listened to a mystery shop um the other day with a, a, a team member that answered the phone call and they said I'm really sorry but I'm too busy right now to talk to you about your new puppy can I take your phone number and ring you back and the woman actually said um, yeah that's all right I'll, I'll ring back to someone else <laughs> wow because yeah and so that, that, you know, that's, that's what happens. And, and we do say, you know, we, we teach them to say that because if you, if you don't have the 20 minutes rather than rushing it, that is an option. But the, the other, the better option is not to have being put in that position in the first place. Well, Tracy, thanks very much for taking the opportunity to spend some time today with BetCX and also those who have had the pleasure to listen to some of your insights today. Now, if people want to continue this conversation or another problem that they may be facing in practice and they want to reach out to the VGP team or yourself, what's the best way for them to go about doing that? You can certainly just send me an email, Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y at bgpvet.com.au. More than happy to answer whether you're a member or not, just answer some questions. Once you send me an email, we can have a chat on the phone. We're very giving with our time and just trying to help. Fabulous. Thanks so much, Tracy. Oh, thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Inside Vet CX, where we explore everything customer experience related. Make sure you check us out at vetcx.com.au or on social media, and we look forward to catching you next time on Inside Vet CX.